0: I will proudly take the stand With liberties in jeopardy I will always do what's right I'm out here on the front lines Sleep in peace tonight American soul to have a conversation about the things that matter to you including the direction of our country this is conversations with Rodney Ferguson brought to you by crushed red on the big 550 KTRS so
1: this is conversations with Rod Ferguson KTRS the big 550 hope everybody had a happy holiday and Merry Christmas as families got together and as families gathered all over the world you know it brought together come together with love and there's several different kinds of love i guess the the ultimate love would be uh, agape love or what we call unconditional love and this is the love that jesus christ has for all of us but it, it begged the question over the holidays as we get together with relatives and family the question came up, you know, why do we hurt the ones that we love? Tends, some people say we, we hurt the ones we love because they're there, they're around and they're most accessible to all our feelings and and all our emotions and everything that's going on and, and they're just there. So they get the brunt of what's ever going on, whatever in your mind, what's ever going on in your world at the time. Um, I recently lost my baby brother, uh, Randall Whitney Ferguson. Um, Randy was the, uh, he was the favorite child. He was the last child. He was the third. Um, and Randy, uh, got all the looks, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, six foot, you know, he was the, he was the, he was it. (laughs) So as the oldest, all the, uh, All the things that my father never got to complete was going to be lived out through me, the oldest. And then my sister, Rhonda, she was in the middle. Uh, She was Miss Southwest. She was the belle of the ball on the lady side. But the guys, I was the oldest and my baby brother um, seemed to get a pass from my father, from my mother, from everybody where I had to kind of toe the line for the family. Um, And Randy was all American football, basketball, baseball. I mean, he was all sports to all things, and he just loved it. He was gifted with natural ability. Unfortunately, uh, his lifestyle was the same. Uh, He lived a strong lifestyle and uh, heavy smoker, uh, great guy. Everybody loved Randy. He could walk in a room and leave with many friends that he'd never met before. But he, he unlike a lot of us, uh, he had to deal with cancer over the last three years of his life. And once it got into his brain, lungs, and upper chest, and throat, it just started taking his toll. And cancer doesn't care. <laughs> Cancer is cancer, and uh, they say we all have cancer genes in us. It's just when they bubble to the surface. Uh, some are minor, some are major, some are when you're younger, some are when you're older. My brother was 58 years old, and he passed on the 4th of December. We did not have a great relationship at the end of our his life, and uh, I wasn't even allowed to go to the funeral which um, for reasons that I won't discuss uh, was apropos to the situation at the time. So we did flowers, we did checks, we did insurance policies, we did everything else we could do to make it as easy as possible on his wife, Julie. But the topic of why we hurt the ones we love, um, whether it's, Spouses, children, grandchildren, aunts, uncles, relatives, parents. Just kept coming up in one way or the other. Uh, everybody loves to get together for the holidays, but two or three days of relatives is <laughs> is probably enough for all of us. And we all go back to our lives and look forward to our get-togethers next. Um, my mom's the anchor of our family, and... Uh, She's kind of the sounding board for everybody. Everybody puts everything through my mom, and she filters it back to keep the peace (laughs) for extended family, for her kids, her grandkids, her great-grandkids now, of which she has three. So as we uh, settled in for the holidays and enjoyed each other's company, um, at some point, you know, the different— agendas come out, whether it's political views or whether it's religious views or whether it's, you know, we haven't seen you in church lately, where you've been, uh, just little stabs, dabs, jags, <laughs> whatever, jabs. Um, it just seemed that we do hurt the ones that we love the most. And I guess if we didn't hurt them, we wouldn't care, right? So if, 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 if you didn't care about them, it, it, you wouldn't give it another thought. But as we summarize this year's season, this 2023 season, and we put it into books, we reflect back on things that went right, things that went wrong, good family relationships, family relationships that we still need to work on, and look forward to a new year where we get a do-over at the beginning of the year and we all get to start fresh and start anew. We all set goals and objectives for that year and just try to move forward with the resources that we have. So I wish everybody a very happy holidays as we settle up the year and look forward to a new year, new set of downs, (laughs) so that everybody can move on with their objectives for the new year. As we go into uh, different things that are happening around the world. You don't have to go far from the radio or the television to try to look at all the chaos that's going on out there, whether it's in Washington or whether it's in the Middle East or whether it's in a grocery store and you went in for Thanksgiving and Christmas and checked the bills that you had this year versus last year. Um... It's just amazing to me how everything just continues to go up in price, in scarcity, and yet everybody keeps telling us everything's great. Well, it's, it's, it's not great, <laughs> and it's extremely expensive. And for those, whether you're like my mom that's on a fixed income from the government or whether you are actively employed, there is no way that our incomes can continue to increase at the level that the everything else is going up, cost of labor, cost of food, cost of services and goods. There's just no way that we can continue to increase at the rate that everything else is going up. So if you listen to the powers that be, everybody saying the economy's great, you know, it's all about the economy, stupid, right? It's, that's the phrase, it's all about the economy going into this political genre that we're in and campaigning and everything that's going on. Everybody's talking about how good everything is. Um, A 39% approval rate on the economy, if anybody had that, they wouldn't even have a job. Yet that's our current administration is touting their 39% success rate. Well, that means there's a lot of other people on the other side that are unhappy. And if you got 39% of the vote, you're really not going to have to worry about it. Uh, But we do have to worry about it. And we have to deal with it every day, whether you're pulling up to the gas pump to try to get to work, or whether you're trying to feed your family that evening, and you're looking at the price of milk and eggs and steaks and hamburger. and It's just amazing to me how things can go up that fast when our incomes And our sources of revenue are not. And then you've got other topics that are running around out there. This, I mean, COVID seems like it's over, but I just, my brother-in-law was in the hospital. He just got COVID again, and this was for the fourth time. So I don't know what we called it before COVID. I don't know if it was a cold or a virus or whatever it was called before we called it COVID, but this thing is real. I mean, I've lost two very good friends to COVID. And they both were under the impression that it was just a cold. And it took their life at 61 and 63. So it is real. And I'm, I was one of the guys in the camp that thought it was just, just another virus, just another problem, until I got it. And I got it bad, March, April, and May. A free fall from 202 pounds down to 185, you know, eating everything in sight, drinking everything in sight, not smelling or tasting anything, changing my sheets every night because I was sweating through it every night for three months. But God was good and it didn't go to my chest. Once it goes to your chest and the coughing starts and it's uncontrollable, then it goes into pneumonia and they're sweeping the fluids off your lungs it can become deadly very quickly. So COVID is real, whether you believe in vaccines or not. In the townships I live in, most people are still run around with masks because they never got vaccinated. And whether you fall on one side of the aisle on masks or the other side, people would do anything to prevent it to get it. But it is real, and everybody needs to listen to their doctors and the people that they trust the most with their health, and determine what's the best course of action for them. I was uh, listening to some other shows over the, over the weekend. And the, uh, New York City tends to be the, the um, main area of uh, culmination where everybody comes together and says, okay, well, if it's happening in New York City, it's good for New York City. It's happening across the country. One of the statistics that came up, and I know what they say about statistics, but on the New York City public charter school system, after they did their year-end educational assessment of their kids, they were touting how great it was that 59% passed, whereas the public schools in New York City were at 52%. So of course, they ran with that headline and article that said, you know, charter schools outdo public schools, 59%, 52%. But it struck me not anywhere in the 30 minutes that they discussed that program that they talked about the fail rate. <laughs> 40%, 39 to 40% failed the thing. So if you've got our up and coming generation failing at 39 to 40 percent, and no one's talking about it, that should be cause to pause. If we're just talking that we outdid the other group, 59 to 42 chartered to public schools, and we're not focusing on the fail rate, I think we're missing the point. And that fail rate on top of the uh, quarantine of COVID of those same children, I mean, when do they get that year or two back? We just pass them and send them on down the line for that next group of teachers that has to do a better job for that next year to bring those children forward so that they're ready for their next level of school and studies. When we all know that all these studies build on the previous lessons learned. So if you're at 52 or 59, what do we do with the 40? What do we do with the 41, 42, 39, 38% that failed the thing? Do, do they repeat? I mean, I personally took second grade twice. I'm a New Year's baby, and when I moved to St. Louis when I was two, they said I had to repeat second grade because of how it the dates fell on the calendar, and that was good for me because I would have been a he- I would have been premature to go in with my class, graduating class of 1980, which would have been 79. I was barely ready for 80 um, in the Limburg School District, so I think the fail rate needs to get a lot more attention than whether we. Beat the public schools being charter schools. And that was just something that caught my eye today. And again, I'm bouncing around a little bit, try to hit multiple topics to keep the interest level there. The other thing that's going on out there that we're really not getting a handle on is there actually is a war going on out there. This war in Gaza is real. And whether you're just flipping channel surfing through it or not, it's still there. And people are dying every day on both sides. And this war has been raged and waged through years and centuries. And our own Lloyd Austin is telling us we are going to protect our troops. That's our job. But when you look at what's going on, we are purely playing defense. And yes, we don't want to get involved in another war. But at the same time, we have to protect our interests here in the United States and for those nations that we support. Mr. Austin talking about protecting our troops and they're dying every day. And this is not the ground war that everybody talks about. Or is it? Some people see, you know, the sky is painting targets and blowing up targets and nobody, somebody's sitting in a chair pressing a button. But that's not what's going on in Gaza. I mean, these guys are going subdivision to subdivision and fighting hand to hand, and that's not getting any press at all, zero. So as this Iran-Israeli war rages on, New dimensions are coming into this war. Drone strikes, as recent as last night, took out three of our military while they were sleeping on their base. These drones, (laughs) small, medium, and large, they are being used in ways that we've never seen drones be used before. I mean, we look at it on our side as being able to deliver a pizza to your front door with a swipe of your credit card where over there they're using them to just barely come inside the gate and drop bombs on sleeping soldiers that are completely unaware, and they, you can't hear them. There's no sound. They just drop the artillery over the fence, and they're very hard to shoot down. So as this war rages on, I think we need to keep in our forefront of our minds – the military that voluntarily said, I'm going to go in and support our country. And whether it's Marine Corps like I was in or Army or National Guard, Navy, Air Force, whatever the service branch. They're giving up six years of their lives to go into countries that they don't know, don't understand, don't speak the language and into an area that they don't have a direct interest in other than to know they have to protect the United States and our allies. I want to shift um, to this border thing. We've got a war going on right here on our own soil, and it is unbelievably aggressive. They call it a surge. And if you look up that definition, a surge is an unbelievable amount of something coming very quickly. And this is what's going on on our border. Mr. Blinken and my Orcas are heading to Mexico to meet with Abrador on the Mexican side. And they're going to discuss the Mexican issue. The border is not a Mexican issue. The 10,000 that crossed last night, six of them were Mexican. The other 9,800 whatever were Nicaraguan. This is not a Mexican issue. This is a border issue. Between Mexico and Guatemala, the border is wide open. And when I mean wide open, I mean it's like walking into your neighbor's yard if they don't have a fence. They're just coming across in droves. So the word surge and the word droves accurately describe what's going on down on the border. And they put the numbers up. These numbers don't really mean a thing. We throw trillions around like we people don't even know what a trillion is. If you were in a warehouse and store up cargo boxes in the trillions, you might get an idea of what that looks like versus billions. I mean, it, it is it, it's hard to even imagine. This border crisis is real. And this border crisis is going to affect us generationally. It's not going to be as simple as just having another administration come in and being able to put a deportation program together and send them all back. It is incomprehensible to me how they think we are going to be able to fund this situation. Social security cards are being given, insurance cards are given, jobs are being given, school seats are given. This, at the numbers that are coming across, the drugs that are coming across, we're not sourcing these people. The mafia has figured out a way just to walk their people through It's a herd mentality. We don't source them. We don't check them. We have no idea who they are. But it's really interesting as you look at the footage that they're all young men. They'll focus on some of the women and some of the children. But at the end of the day, it's young men between 18 and 30 that are crossing that border. And they are landing in our cities across the country in droves. This border surge is real. And I would highly recommend that you put it at the top of your list when you're discussing things with your congressional and senatorial leaders. Because this is not number one or two on their list. I mean, we're talking about electric cars for crying out loud. We're out there talking about the environment and the price of gas when we have a major breach on our southern border. And the sooner we get aware of this fact and convey it to those that can actually do something about it, will be a day and time that we might be able to put a tourniquet, at least, on what's going on down there. This is Rod Ferguson. This is Conversations. And let me know what you're thinking out there. Text me at 84126, and we'll be right back.
0: This is Conversations with Rodney Ferguson, native St. Louisan, Marine Corps veteran and local business owner. Brought to you by Crushed Red, on the Big 550, KTRS.
1: This is Conversations with Rod Ferguson, KTRS with the Big 550. So we're gonna spin the cycle over to China. The headline was China is stealing our A.I. secrets. Okay, well, that probably doesn't surprise a lot of the audience, but China has brought several things into the country in order to... Spy is probably a hard word. Uh, To infiltrate is a harder word, Uh, but you're getting my ideas To come in and keep a really good eye on what we're doing in the area of AI and artificial intelligence. I don't think I personally have grasped how big a topic artificial intelligence is. But it's basically going to be to the next five years what the Internet was when it came on board. It is going to affect everything, everybody that it touches. And it's going to touch everything. So China knows this, and China makes no bones about knowing and wanting everyone to know that they are the preeminent world power, which is interesting considering they can't even feed their own people. Or breathe their own air but the headline was that they are stealing our artificial intelligence secrets here in the US there's so many ways to attack this topic I'm just going to hit one of them that everybody probably could relate to Right now in Beijing, China, there are 10 McDonald's restaurants. There is not one human being in any of those 10 restaurants. And it operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week, very profitably. One person at a predetermined time in the week backs up a truck to that restaurant and supplies it with what it needs for the next seven 24-hour days, and then it leaves. The rest of that restaurant operates without any human beings in the restaurant. This has been tested in markets probably in your town where you go in and you punch in what you want to order and put your credit card in and then pick it up at the window or at the counter. This is just one infantile example of AI at work. It's happening in the auto industry. It's happening in the gasoline industry. It's happening in the travel industry. I was recently in Tucson, Arizona. And I'm driving down the highway going up to Red Rock. Which is about a 60-mile trip for me that day. And my colleague on the right side of me, And I saw a truck, semi-tractor trailer truck, drive past us. We're doing about 75 miles an hour. And I said, I'm going to show you something that will blow your mind. I pulled up alongside of the truck and had her look up in the cab. And there was no one in the cab. There was no one in the truck. Trucks traveling 75 miles an hour on an Arizona highway with a predetermined destination. I won't mention the name, but you would know the name of the truck. It's a well-known name. And this is one of the test markets for the driverless trucks that are running up and down that market. She didn't believe me. She thought the guy was leaning over. So we just rode alongside the truck for several miles, steering wheels moving, things set on 75 miles an hour, and there's no one in the cab. She was flabbergasted, to say the least. This is another example of AI working with other components to change the world we live in. Recently, Uber company changed CFOs, CEOs and COOs. The chairman made a very interesting statement at the annual meeting. He stated... In three years, there would not be the need for an Uber driver. I want everybody to think about that for a second. In three years, which, guys, is not that far away, right? Uber is all about the drivers. It's all about the drivers being on time, the courtesy of the drivers, the ratings of the drivers. In three years, they said they're not going to have any drivers, you will simply pull up your app, put in your destination, swipe your card, get into the vehicle, deliver it at your destination, and go about your day. Nobody's calling in sick. Nobody's hounding another person for a territory. Nobody wants a raise. Nobody's getting mad. No union involved, etc etc. This is the third example of AI at work in our market. China is stealing our secrets. These three examples show this is going to be out there for everyone to see. We are a world market. It's a global market. And if you've been paying attention, last week the New York Stock Exchange hit an all time high. The Dow Jones at 37,435, all time new high. New York Stock Exchange, the American Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ. The Dow, every the, everybody hit a fresh set of highs. I don't mean a high for the year. I mean a high forever. It's never been that high. Which caused me to reflect on the current administration that said, well, "We don't have anything to do with the stock market. We don't. We don't watch it. We don't track it. We don't care." knowing that 56% of the population owns a mutual fund or a stock or a bond in either their 401k, IRA, or brokerage account. That's enough to sway any election. And this gentleman states that he's not watching it, doesn't care, really doesn't matter. He wants to talk about green energy. So, for those of us that are in the market, we're in a very nice place right now. The 201K is back to a 401K. The SEP are back to SEPs. The IRAs are back to IRAs. The Roths are back to Roths. The market is efficient It can be manipulated some. We know Mr. Elon Musk is getting called back to Congress to talk about that subject publicly. In the manipulation of a stock called Twitter or Tesla or whatever he's dabbling in in the moment. Things move markets. Markets. But at the end of the day, it's about operating revenues and profits and efficiencies of management. And that can only be manipulated so much. So when our great Fed chair gets back out, and I love these terms, dovish and hawkish and all these terms they come up with for the attitude of the morning or afternoon and say that, you know, we're taking a dovish stance on interest rates this week. You can't run a country on 8%. We know the 10-year dropped to 4 and is moving 5 basis points and gets everybody's attention. But the 10-year and the 2-year have been out of kilt. And that's a problem. And the Fed is there to regulate to a point. But it's not to interfere with the market. So as much as our current president would like to say that the economy is doing great, it's the individual companies Across this great land, most of them entrepreneurial, startups, first and second generation, that do the hiring, the firing, paychecks, bonuses, they're the ones getting it done, not the government. The government is a stumbling block. government is getting in the way of the efficiency of the markets and the markets Still won, and they still went to new highs despite the current administration, the legislation, the regulation, the interest rate environment, and the inflation that we're all having to eat over the last year. What in the world would it go to if we took all those handcuffs off? What kind of world would we live in then? Could that happen in 24? Are we going to back up two steps to go three steps forward? Nobody knows. There's a lot of ways to play the market. You can play it when it's up, you can short it when it's down, you can play currencies, you can play commodities. You can do it on the option side. You can do it on the stock or bond side. There's several ways. But 56% of the country is playing. And right now, it's a very profitable game. This is Conversations with Rod Ferguson. And let me know what you're thinking out there. Text me at 84126
0: this is conversations with rodney ferguson native st Louisan, marine corps veteran and local business owner brought to you by crushed red on the big 550 ktrs
1: welcome back to conversations with rod ferguson so as we approach the new year we have to reach that one pinnacle we all talk about Or not talk about, and that is our New Year's resolution. So as we talk about New Year's resolutions, I would ask you to, one, whatever yours is, write it down. Write down your New Year's resolution. You don't have to show it to anybody. Put it in a safe place. Tack it to your bathroom window. Wherever you want to put it to remind you and make sure you follow through on it. So I've been on this planet 62 years, New Year's Day. And I started smoking one year ago today, which blew everybody's mind. They said, you don't smoke. I said, you know, I thought I'd try it. So I went and bought a pack of cigarettes and I took out my two or three bucks. And the lady looked at me and said, "Uh, sir, that'd be $8.95. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. That was my first entry into smoking and knowing that it probably wasn't going to last that long because I can't afford it. So gave her my $9 and she gave me a couple pennies back in the rotisserie that she hit for change. And I took my pack of cigarettes out only to go back in because my car does not have a lighter in it of course it doesn't so it's got a place for a lighter it's got something that looks like a lighter that you stick a phone charger in so i had to go back in and plunk down another couple three dollars for my lighter and go back out and smoke my first cigarette which made me physically ill and dizzy and i had to sit down so i've been smoking for almost a year and people said well why why do you why i said well you know it, it beats some of the alternatives i i i'm you know, been under a little bit of stress. You know, it's been a crazy year. My brother passed away. I had some medical issues I had to deal with. So I just figured to take the edge off. And all it ended up doing is making me sick and making me dizzy. But the byproduct of that is I lost 40 pounds. So I went, huh, maybe this has got something to it after all. I said, people have been smoking all their lives, one, two, three packs of cigarettes. I've been smoking for one year. How much? How hard could it be and how how bad could it be? So that was how I could talk myself into anything. And then I went into a store to buy a pack of cigarettes. And the gentleman behind the counter said, well, how many cigarettes do you smoke a day? And I said, well, you know, I don't want to be bragging, but I mean, I'm up to about three or four a day. He said, oh, that's a lot. You need to be vaping. I said, vaping? What is that? So he pulled out this box. It was smaller than a pack of cigarettes, and he opened it up, tore out the patch, pulled off a tab off the bottom, and said, stick this in your mouth and inhale. I did. I obviously took too much. I coughed my head off, and it had a really, really sweet taste to it. And I said, he said, all colors, all kinds, and that'll be 28 bucks. And I went, wow. He said, but you can puff on this 5,000 times. I said, oh, well, there you go. So I stuck one of them in my pocket. So I have been smoking and vaping for about a year, vaping for about three months. Um, My New Year's resolution to my audience is I am going to stop that. (laughs) I am going to put the cigarettes down. I'm going to put the little vaping thing down. And I'm going to go back to what I did for the previous 61 years of my life. And that is not rely on an artificial stimulant to get me through the day. So I don't know what your New Year's resolution is. I would have you put some thought to it. Ask someone you care about it, care about what they think you should have for your New Year's resolution. I get ones like, Rodney, you need to listen more. You need to listen to what I'm saying you're always worried about what you're going to say next. Why don't you stop thinking about what you're going to say next and listen to what I have to say? That's going to be one of my other New Year's resolutions. And my third New Year's resolution is going to be about my tone. Apparently, and completely oblivious to me, I have a problem with my tone. And it's like, I'll, I'll do it in as an example. I love you. Why well, love you? I love you. Those are three different examples of using the same words, with different tone. So apparently, my family and my inner circle has shared with me that I have a problem with my tone. So my third New Year's resolution to all of you is that I am going to make a concerted effort to do a better job of working on my tone. And with that, This is Rod Ferguson and Conversations. I wish you a new year and a happy one.